Okay. And number 439. I won't. Number 439 should be nearer my God to thee. If I'm remembering correctly. Oh, welcome to everyone tonight, and uh, thanks for coming, and you're going to get the Ron Casson version of the BrianHedges.com sermon. So, um, he offered once before, and I, you know, I think Jeff declined too. We we all just kind of like, well, we don't know if we really want to do that. Well, I'm, I, I'm the one with the most audacity, I guess. I'm going to try it. So we'll see what happens. Um, the Lord, the grace of God is going to get us through this. But 439, so let's sing this song. <clears throat> nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee, in though it be a cross that raiseth me. Still all my song shall be nearer my God to thee, nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. There let the way appear, steps unto heaven. All that thou sendest me in mercy give. Angels to beckon me, Nearer my God to thee, nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. Then with my waking thoughts, bright with thy praise, out of my stony griefs, Bethel I'll raise. So by my woes to be nearer my God to thee, nearer my God to thee. Number 480, please. 480. All right, we'll go with that. Near to the heart of God. And I always like putting these two songs together. For some reason, it just seems like the right thing to do. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart.
sin cannot molest, near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before thee, near to the heart of God. There is a place of comfort sweet near to the heart of God, a place where we, our Savior, meet near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before thee, near to the heart of God. There is a place of full release near to the heart of God, a place where all is joy and peace near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before thee, near to the heart of God. Mark, would you pray for us, please? Amen. So this is uh, Incredible Christian Life series, as, uh, and I'm not Brian Hedges, by the way. Um, I bought my sermons off of brianhedges.com, but no, I didn't. Um, so Brian graciously agreed to, to give me his notes. But we're going to press forward with chapter 5, and if you have your handout, it should say at the top of it, Extreme Makeover. And so... We are all in. The, we are all desirous to have an extreme makeover, and we're going to talk about that tonight. So, uh, by way of introduction, uh, so we're hearing more and more about makeovers, right? You see uh, movies and magazines and television programs that are dedicated <clears throat> to the newest, newest pastimes of many Americans. Whatever the case, the idea of an extreme makeover 
is to make you look better on the outside so you feel better on the inside. So some of you may remember that several years back, Billy Crystal made a living off of, you look marvelous, right? The fact of the matter is, we are all growing older, not younger. Uh, Right? Doesn't matter how many tummy tucks, Botox injections, breast lifts, implants, face and chin lifts you have, you're fighting a losing battle. You will grow old and die. <clears throat> Even Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 4, 8, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of a life that now is and of that which is to come. So, uh, don't get me wrong, bodily exercise is profitable, uh, but not as much as godliness. Uh, The reason is, the beauty of Christ on the inside will radiate to the outside. As beautiful and fit as you may be today, you will one day experience an extreme makeover that will last for all eternity. Uh, Typically, a makeover is about make you feel, making you feel better on the inside. And in a world where people spend millions of dollars trying to feel better on the inside, we have the only enhancement which will last how long? Forever, for all eternity. So we're in Second uh, Corinthians 5. And just uh, before we uh, read the text and, and pray again, because we need to pray, Uh, there are three main points on your outline. We'll only cover one of those tonight. I'm just going to slice out the first eight verses, and we're going to work through those. But I want to give you the words for all of them, because there's blanks, I think. um, So there are three things in chapter 5. One, credible Christians are confident of their transformation. And that's the first eight verses of chapter 5. Credible Christians are pure in their motivations. That's the second uh, point. And that's uh, verses 9 to 15. The third major point. Credible Christians are faithful in their representation. And that's verses 16 to 21. So uh, let's... Read the first eight verses at chapter 5, and then uh, I'll pray again, and we'll get started. Verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. 
Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Let's pray. Dear God, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this passage. Thank you for Brian, our pastor. Uh, he, he, Lord, prepared this and has graciously allowed me to, to share this tonight. Lord, I thank you for that. Uh, Lord, I don't normally do this, but uh, I thank you for, for just impressing upon me that, uh, that we should do this. So let's all enjoy this, uh, what, what Brian has prepared uh, diligently. Lord, we know that he works diligently uh, to, uh, <clears throat> to, to, Lord, give us the word of God, and we thank you for that. Uh, Lord, help us to understand this by the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So help us to understand, not with wisdom of man's words, but with uh, your wisdom. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you, you, I'm sure you are seated, but you can be seated, by the way. So A, point A, uh, under uh, the first major heading uh, <clears throat> is reasons we are confident and there's five of these i think but anyway we're going to go so the first thing is number one we are confident because we know not hope or guess <clears throat> that we will receive a new glorified body second corinthians chapter five verse one for we know right um, I'm glad that we know, and Jesus wanted us to know. One of the things I think interesting, uh, this is not like totally on topic, but I think it's in Mark, yeah, Mark 12, 35 through 40, and he's talking to the Pharisees about David, and Luke, or Mark, Mark throw this, pr throws this seemingly kind of throwaway phrase in there, but it's not throwaway. And the common people heard him gladly. Now, Jesus hated the deeds and the doctrines of the Nicolaitans. And so I'm glad that he uh, wants us common people to understand the scriptures. Amen. So, uh, so we know that um, we're going to receive a glorified body. So uh, number two, under uh, reasons we are confident. We are confident because God, who formed our corrupt body without human hands, also promises to provide us a glorified body without human intervention. And 2 Corinthians 5.5 5 says, uh, He who hath wrought us for the self-same thing. And so, so a couple of bullet points in, underneath this item. Um, God wrought or formed our bodies in our mother's womb so that we would have a temporal tabernacle prepared for physical birth. And the same God who miraculously 
formed our physical body, promised, promised us that he also has uh, wrought or formed us uh, for glorification, uh, just as sure as you must have a physical body to be born physically, you will be provided an eternal body because you have been born again. So pretty simple stuff, right? Um, physical body born physically, God wrought that, uh, but then he gets eternity, we get an eternal body. These bodies won't make it. They barely make it 70 years. What is that? Psalm 90, right? We get three score and 10 years, and if we get more than that, it's wrought with trouble. <clears throat> no, I'm not, and I'm not trying to make fun of anything. I'm, I'm just, I'm just quoting scripture. Sorry. Okay, sorry. Uh, number three. We are confident because God has given us the earnest of the Spirit, and that's Second Corinthians five five. He who hath wrought us for the self same thing is God who hath also given us unto us the uh, earnest of the Spirit. And the baptism of the Spirit spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and Ephesians 4, 4 and 5 guarantees our physical redemption. So let's look at those uh, scriptures real quick. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Maybe somebody else can read. 1213. Okay, so we see one spirit there. Ephesians 4, 4 and 5. Somebody want to read that one, please. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one hope of your calling. And so we get the, the point there. It's pretty simple. The moment we place our faith in Christ, we are sealed. Uh, we have God's stamp of ownership on our soul, and we are set apart for what's our theme tonight? Extreme makeover. Extreme makeover. Okay, so let's go to Ephesians 1. 12 to 14, Ephesians 1, 12 to 14. You what? Uh, no, I'll read this one. That's fine. Okay, so uh, verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Uh, we're kind of drilling down on that or repeating that point, the earnest of the spirit. Uh, and we like that. Okay, number four, the reasons, we're still working on reasons that we are confident uh, of our 
uh, what was that? Anyway, <coughs> trans. Uh, anyway, we'll get there. We are confident because we uh, have something to look forward to. So, First Corinthians uh, one or five one to one through four. Right, we we look for that tabernacle. We've already read it. That house uh, not made with hands, uh, uh, which is eternal in the heavens. Right, we're looking for that house. I'm looking for that house. Abraham, right? He was looking for a city whose builder and maker was whom god so he was looking for a, a eternal home too and so we're looking for that eternal home we don't escape into the atmosphere but we are clothed upon with an eternal body and so again uh, we're kind of repeating we're re- repeating right what's the price of learning repetition uh eternal body house not made with hands which is eternal in the heavens and we earnestly desire to be clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life our mortality will be overcome when our we when we are in our eternal temple so verse four right that mortality might be swallowed up of what life We are confident while we live in this mortal body because each day is a walk of faith leading to a day we will be at home with the Lord. And that's uh, verses 6 to 8, right? We we, we are confident that whilst we are at home in the body, we're absent with the Lord, but, and and then for we walk by faith, not by sight. Um, This I say then, we are confident and willing rather to be what? Absent from the body and present with the Lord. Uh, there's two words that are mentioned twice in these uh, verses six and eight, um, and that's confidence. Uh, this I say, you're confident in, um, and then verse six also, um, we are. Anyway, so confident is also mentioned twice, and also absent is mentioned twice. So we are confident again. God uses this word confident in this in the Bible. It's actually a, a real you know scriptural word, and so we can be confident of our impending transformation. <coughs> so those are the reasons that we are confident. Now look at let's look at point B. Here, and let's look at some contrast. Your word is contrast there. Contrast between the tabernacle uh, and the temple. Tabernacle and the temple. We're going to look at some contrast here. The tabernacle is temporary. Uh, for we know that if this earth, if, if this earthly house of our tabernacle were what? Dissolved. Uh, and the temple is permanent. And so when you think of a tabernacle, um, you think of a tent, right? When you go camping, you put up a tent. And then when you get done camping, you fold the tent up and move it, right? So it's a tent or a hut. Uh, 
some folks, uh, they put up huts because, well, maybe they move a lot. Or, you know, some folks put up huts because they can't afford anything else. But it also allows them to be able to move, right? If something, if some disaster happens or they have to, for some reason, they have to move, then they can just move. It's a, it's a temporary dwelling. House means permanent home or abode. And of course, we know that, right? Nobody's gonna, <coughs> nobody's gonna come and uh, take a crane and lift Jeff's house and move it to Harrisonville. Probably, uh, I mean, I, I guess I've seen it or not seen it done before, but it has been done before. But it's not done very often, right? It's it's built on a foundation of concrete or stone, or you know, it's permanent. This tabernacle will dissolve. We've already talked about that in First uh, Corinthians five one, but it's made of what? What's our this tabernacle? What it's made of clay, and so Genesis two seven. And the Lord God formed man of the what? Dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So it's, it's made of clay. Our building of God, uh, 1 Corinthians 5.1, is permanent. And so the, so that's the first contrast. The second contrast is the tabernacle is mobile. The temple was stationary. Um, our mission is to go. That's what the tabernacle did. It moved wherever God told the children of Israel to move it. That's why they had to have the staves and the wagons and the whole bit, right? That whole, that, and, and that all was laid out in, where was that? Exodus, they made it. Was it Numbers? It was Numbers. That numbers, God set up the whole procedure for moving the tabernacle. Um, and so uh, it moved wherever God wanted the children of Israel to move it. And sometimes it moved, I mean, remember the 40 years in the wilderness? So sometimes the children of Israel's disobedience uh, determined where that tabernacle went, unfortunately. The temple was built as a permanent place of worship. After our extreme makeover, we will have a permanent body in which we will abide how long? Forever. A third contrast. So the, the tabernacle is glorious. Well, the temple is exceeding more glorious. And I like that word exceeding. If you ever see that word in Scripture, the, the passage I think about is exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. I think it's in Ephesians. Uh, that's an incredible statement, right? This is exceeding more glorious. Our, our, our uh, permanent temple will be exceeding more glorious. And how do we see that? Um, so as nice as the tabernacle looked, it could not compare to the gold, silver, precious stones that adorned the temple of God in Jerusalem during the reign of Solomon. Uh, and, and 
and also to, to add to that, during the dedication of the rebuilt temple in, the, in Ezra's era, the old saints who had seen uh, the original temple, what did they do? They wept. Why? Because the majesty could not be duplicated. Nobody was going to, nobody at that time was going to spend the resources that Solomon spent uh, building that house. Uh, he, he made a couple of statements, um, and, and he used words like wonderful, great, and magnifical. Uh, that, that word magnifical is, I don't think it's used anywhere else in the Bible. That magnifical, it was going to be beyond uh, measure great and exceeding glorious. So nothing could compare with that. Uh, So somebody uh, grab Ezra chapter 3, please, and let's uh, read verse 12 and 13, if you would, please. And so we see that it just wasn't, it, it wasn't comparable at all. So contrast number four. The tabernacle was designed for worship in exactly the same manner as the temple. Just as the tabernacle and Solomon's temple were designed for worship, so also this tabernacle we dwell in is designed to worship God. It's designed to worship God. That's kind of interesting. And it's amazing what we and human beings do to not worship God. Then we worship other things and other gods and all that. But it's designed to worship God. So th- we, we all know this, but it bears uh, just mentioning here. The tabernacle and the temple were furnished for worship with these items. The brazen altar, table of showbread, candlesticks. Aaron's rod that budded, the Ark uh, Ark of the Covenant, the heavenly fire, the mercy seat, the heavenly manna, divine Shekinah, Shekinah glory, uh, the spirit of prophecy, and most probably the Urim and Thummim, and we see those all in Scripture. And so that was those were all the furnishments of both the tabernacle and the temple. And even though the skin of the tabernacle and the house of God built by Solomon were dramatically different in their visible glory. Their function and layout were the same. They were built for worship just as we are today. Likewise, uh, we know about the trichotomy, right? We all talk about that. Likewise, our bodies were fashioned and designed as a trichotomy and it says, and, and then Uh, Just as the temple has the outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place, or what's sometimes called the holy of holies. So we are equipped with the body, soul, and spirit. Um, uh, What is that verse in, I I think it's Thessalonians, where he says, your spirit, soul, and body, uh, and he he goes through that. But anyway, nonetheless, the spirit is the innermost being 
And that's where God dwells if we are born again. Contrast number five. Our house is eternal. Our new house is eternal in the heavens. And that's First uh, Corinthians 5.1, repeated. Uh, uh, house built, not built with hands, which is eternal in the heavens. And this is fun, right? This is the fun part. Just as Jesus was able to pass from the first heaven on Sunday morning, present himself before the Father in the throne room of heaven and return in time to have dinner with the two disciples in Emmaus, so we will be able to enter outer space and heaven without the use of spacesuits and rockets. That is an extreme makeover right extreme makeover all right c is not on your handout but uh brian uh, just wrote down some uh practical applications here and i think these are these are very poignant so we'll are you ready to stand before the lord am i ready to stand before the lord right are you born again See, I think we're all born again, right? So it's all good. Uh, but but this is the good point. Those who are not born again, what does Brian like to say? They will be fashioned with a body without arms and legs, which will bind them eternally in the lake of fire. And he has a reference here, Mark, Mark 9, uh, 43 to 48. And I just... One of the phrases that is repeated in that passage several times is Jesus says, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And that's, it's a sobering, sobering thought. Um, so to the saved, we have everything we need in this body to worship God today. What is hindering our worship? What is hindering my worship? We should long for intimacy with our Lord. If we don't, we're not utilizing our tabernacle for God's glory. Repent and allow uh, God's glory to shine through your mortal flesh. So is there any questions? Uh, the first five things. So let me just. Okay. Let me get a different. Hang on a second. Okay. So you've got, we know we don't hope or guess that we're going to receive a glorified body, right? You got that. That's number one. We are confident because the God who uh, formed our corrupt body without human hands also promises to provide us a glorified body without human intervention. Okay. God has given us the earnest of the spirit.
we have something to look forward to is number four. And I said five, but I only have four, so you didn't miss the other one. And are there any other questions? Okay, Jamie, I think that's all. We can pray. And then um, I don't have any prayer pieces tonight. So um, we'll have to pray uh, through the Spirit. The Spirit itself helpeth our infirmities. We know how, not how to pray as we ought, but uh, the Spirit interceding for us with groanings that cannot be uttered, right? So let's pray.